Hello, Guardians. Welcome back to Tower Casuals, the Destiny podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Corey Deary, and alongside me, as always, is my golden son, Josh Finney. That right before we went to broadcast, that fucking Golden Sun got announced it's coming to expansion. Both pass. of them. I said that when Golden Sun came to expansion pass, I would finally do it. Nintendo is calling my bluff. They're calling me out. I'm doing it, Corey. I'm signing up for the expansion pass. Yeah, yeah. I'm ready uh, because I mean, listen, listen. The, the Game Boy Advance games was always going to get me. That that was the thing. It had to be that and or GameCube games to get me to sign up. I, I don't yeah. care about 64 games anymore. Well, it looks like they're, uh, you know, just going to remaster all the GameCube oh games. Oh my god, it's making me so mad because, of course, like, the game that they're starting it all with is Thousand Year Door, which is one of my all-time favorite games. Well, that's not 100% true. They put out Metroid Prime Remastered this year. And Mario's yeah, that's, a, that's a sore before. spot for me. I, I still, I, I bought it. Yeah, I have a physical copy of it. It's still in the cellophane. Mm. I don't know if I'll be playing it. It, it's a bit of it's a bit of a, a a hitting home for me, so I don't think I'll bring myself to play it. But um, yeah, I I don't like I hate Nintendo's business business strategy. But Corey, yes, I'm not here to complain about Nintendo. Believe it or not, shocker, shocker, <laughs> absolute shocker. Uh, I'm here to complain about the state of destiny for the first time in 2024. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Are you ready ready to go back into hibernation until April? Man, (laughs) let let me let me tell you guys, guys, I'm going to get I'm going to get really real with you. I basically disconnected from playing games for like the last three or four weeks. I played See, I finished Sea of Stars for the most part. I made my game of the year list. I played a little bit of Fortnite. I played a little bit of Call of Duty. And I've been slowly working my way through a new game plus run of Persona 5 with my girlfriend. And let me tell you guys, this is the most relaxed I've been as a gamer in a very long time. I played bare minimum Destiny. I did basically did the exotic mission and then peaced out for mm-hmm. the holidays. I am completely at this is and this is a conversation that's going to be had probably a little bit later on in this six month season. Uh, we're barely a month into this season and I'm completely at peace about how I feel about the game right now. I'm completely at peace about that. This is the least I've played a season up to this point ever. Um, yeah. I haven't even, I've, I've barely cracked level 50 yeah. on the season pass. Um, I feel completely at peace about it. Um, and that's coming off of my praise of coil and everything else. I think side mission is really rad. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. Like the dungeon is rad. I I've accepted that like in terms of how I feel about always online games, my feelings have drastically shifted in the years when we've been doing this program. Uh-huh. And also like now we're hitting the critical mass of single player games that we've been excited about for so long are finally coming out. Yeah, you know, twenty twenty three was like really like the dam broke. God, dude, that dude, there are so many games. I there, there, there were so games, games we didn't even get to. Yeah, so, like, between Xbox Casuals and the Boss Rush podcast, Josh, like, we we talked about so many games yeah. that I forgot half of these games came out in 2023 because we talked about so many goddamn games. It's, and it, it's funny because, like, we, we did our top tens and had, had a pretty lengthy discussion about, like, the future of Xbox and whatnot um, going forward on the first Xbox Casuals of the year, which went live on Tuesday morning. Check that out. Uh and both you and I gave our top tens and we were like, we mi- still missed two of the biggest games of the year. Like, it's not that they're not ranked. It's that we just didn't get to play them. Yeah. 
and that's Baldur's Gate and Alan Wake. And yeah. so it's like, I'm trying to find time to like put those in this year. And like, hopefully Baldur's Gate is coming soon. But I mean, uh, this year's already off to a start. Prince of Persia dropped today, got amazing yeah. reviews. Yeah. The next Yakuza comes out in like a week and a half. Mm. Tekken 8 comes out in about a, two weeks. That that awesome Brian Cox narrated video was fantastic. I know. I'm like, what is Brian Cox narrating? I, I, I <laughs> Listen, if you let that man narrate the full history of Metal Gear Solid, it would be the first YouTube video essay to ever win an Emmy Award. But like we're going straight into Persona 3 Reload. Helldivers comes out. I'm excited to play the Jujutsu Kaisen game, even though it's going to be trash. We're getting Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. We're getting Dragon's Dogma 2. We're getting Rise of the Ronin. This is such a stacked Q1, and we don't even have the full dates for everything yet. Like, at some point in Q1, we're supposed to get Stalker 2 dropping. Yeah, I, you think, I just you think that'll be that that'll be at the Xbox Direct next week, right? Nope, it's not a first I mean, party game. I mean, you don't think they'll like say no. anything about it at all? Nope. I mean, I know it's all first party stuff, but no, it's gonna be it's gonna be exclusively first party stuff. No, that's fine. Yeah, I I don't I don't think it's there at all. I, I keep seeing people bring it up, and I'm like, it's it's not gonna be there. <laughs> They've been very clear. These are they they have developer directs, and then they have partner directs. So I thought the partner direct last fall definitely needed some work, but it was like better than the state of plays we've gotten lately. Um, there's supposed to be a state of play and a Nintendo direct coming soon. That Nintendo direct, I bet serious money has to switch to, which adds a I, whole nother wrinkle I, into my like post final shape destiny career. If the switch I don't 2... think, I don't think the switch Two will be in a Nintendo direct. I, they're going to, they're going to do that on their own. Like it'll have its own direct. Anyways, the switch Two is imminent. Game, Game Shark of all people accidentally leaked that it's coming in September. Game Shark, yeah. Which, if you're keeping track on the bingo cards, that's like one of the dates everybody had circled already. Anyway, so we're like, oh yeah, okay, cool, 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 cool. Like they wanna, they wanna make sure that, that there's like no, no big games coming over the next six months. It's all remasters and re-releases for the most part. Like Super Princess Peach is like the only new game coming. Um, it's called Princess Peach Showtime. Oh, whatever. I keep calling it Super Princess Peach because I think of the DS game. (laughs) My daughter is quite excited for it, sir. Okay. I'm pretty sure my girlfriend will be really excited for it. (laughs) I am not. It's just, but, but it's like all the, all these things are happening. And like, we were planning on coming back from the break and being like, oh man, it's only six weeks until the final shape. Are we ready? Are we like, are we actually ready to see the end of this story? And now it's like, oh, God, we've got six months until the final shape. I know. I'm like uh, really having a hard time trying to be excited. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, so I, I guess let's start there. Like, I, I don't. And this is a, this is a sentiment that I've seen. You know, I've had a lot of friends express to me um, just like, yeah, not nah, I'm playing kind of bare minimum destiny right now. Like kind of tuning in for the story stuff. Don't really feel like I got to be there for anything like interested to see what riven's wishes is going to be in february especially now that the story is concluded question mark um interested to see what that is it's feeling more and more likely that into the light in april is probably going to be bringing back the old campaigns to some degree Mm. um or like major story beats even if it's like flashback missions like we're probably going to get a handful of them like beating the the meatball for the first time you know free oldren and uh, I don't know, maybe killing Gaul again. Like, there's 
there's a handful of missions that you could toss in there, I guess. Yeah. So because they've built it as everybody getting ready for the final shape. Okay, cool. You let us live out our nostalgia and you let everybody else get, get caught up and get like the spark notes of the game. That I mean, that'd be cool though. If you made like a 20 mission campaign of like the story so far, minus what's available, like, you know, I, to, guess. I guess up to shadow keep, I guess at that point, just give me the campaigns back. I understand there's filler, especially yeah. when you get back but, into the older campaigns, but just get, just give me the full thing. I paid for it. Give me the, the full thing, thing back. That's the thing though, is like the filler. Like how do you filter out the filler without taking away what you need? Right? Like that's the whole thing. Cause there are yeah. entire missions in that, in D2's vanilla campaign where you're s- setting up patrol points and, but the you know, dialogue that's happening during it actually matters. I know that's that's what I'm saying is like, how do you filter that? Just fuck into- it. Fuck it. Everybody plays games with with filler missions. Everybody. Everybody's played a Ubisoft game in their life. Like, and just suck it up. Suck it up, Buttercup. <laughs> Put, if you want the old campaigns back, this is the price you pay. That that's basically how I feel. We I mean, already like, paid. We already paid the price, Josh. I paid for these back. campaigns. I better <laughs> damn well get them back. Um, I become like really crotchety over this. I've noticed <laughs> in the past couple of months, I'm like getting angrier and angrier when I have to talk about the state of this game. Uh, uh like PVP is a fucking catastrophe uh, right now. P- diehard PVPers can't decide if checkmates the greatest things in sliced bread or if it's like literally Satan imposing his will on humanity. At some um, point, at some point, somebody's going to ask us the state of this show. <laughs> <laughs> I just like, and I, I'm not like, I'm really trying. Like, I, I, I we've always tried to put a positive spin on everything, but it's like there, there is no spin. Yeah, there is no spin. I'm not out here screaming that the sky is falling. I'm just saying, like, in terms of how I feel, like I was talking to Nerd Generalist about this. Uh, I think it was last week, and he was like, "Man, I'm just, I'm totally checked out right now." And I was like, "Yeah, mm-hmm. pretty much." Like outside of like doing the story missions and like checking out the exotic, like I'm just building up all the exotic catalyst quests at this point. It's going to go do them all in one run. Yeah. I like, I just don't care. And that's like, that's less of, I, and I want to be really clear for me, it's less of a fact of the state the game is in and more of just, I've spent 10 years playing this game. Mm -hmm. Um, I have friends who played WoW for, you know, eight to ten years and they they fell off, like not because of anything else, but just because like they were ready for something new. And I think that like it's we've said it before and like I'm going to keep saying it for the next six months. Like it's OK. Uh-huh. It's OK yeah. to feel that way. It's OK to go play something else. I know like we we have several people that, you know, we talk to regularly in the discord. I know, you know, not to call not to call them out in a bad way or anything, you know, Ronnie is one of the guys that we've talked to. And he, he said, you know, Hey, this is my main game. This is the game. I come to hang out with, with my friends. This is the game. I, I mm-hmm. really like playing. Like I'll, I'll play the content. And there's a lot of people again. that do that. There are a lot of people who do that. I was one of those for years and that's yeah. totally fine. There's nothing wrong with that. If the game is still bringing you joy, then by all means, my friends, you go for it. Do not let me like throwing myself like a little, I'm throwing a hissy fit over here. Like, oh, I'm not as invested in the game anymore. That doesn't mean that it's bad. That just means I'm like, I'm playing these mega long games and I just don't have it in me to, to have Hawthorne tell me about how I t- woke up the traveler, took down Gaul. I don't have it in me anymore, guys. Yeah. Shax is still saying dialogue from the Red War in the tower. How are we at this point? <laughs> yeah, I just um 
Yeah, I, I, it's not that I'm not like excited for the final shape. It's just right. the the state of the game this past year and just everything surrounding not just the game but Bungie and the layoffs and the whatever you want to say about leadership there. It's been it's been a really hard year to really love Destiny again, and it's been honestly like. Yeah, I I'm not I'm not done with the season story. I'll play it eventually. Right. But like like you, like you said, we have six months to do anything that we need to do before the final shape. And I'm enjoying my I mean, <laughs> I, mean I spent my break playing games with my kids, you yeah. know, like that was my break. And I, I want to make it like super duper clear. I am stoked for the final shape. Yes, I am extremely excited to see the resolution of this story. I'm very very, I don't know if I've ever been this excited for a raid. Like, I, I, it is six months away. Fox was hitting me up the other day in DMs asking if me and him are going to get a team together to tackle that on the first weekend. And I'm, right now, I'm like, I'm in my little boohoo mode. I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to be playing by then. I don't know if I want to do it on day one. Motherfuckers, you know I'm going to be there day one. You know I'm going to be trying this raid right away because I got, I got to beat the witness. I got to do it. It's a question of how long do I stay engaged after that? Like it coming out in the summer is kind of perfect. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of big releases come out in the summer. I can kind of devote just June, July, and probably the first half of August to playing the final shape, to doing everything to my heart's content. And then after that, I don't know if I'm going to keep up with episodes because guess what? This fall is starting to stack up already in terms of things that we may or may not be getting. Mm-hmm. And I want to go play those single player experiences over the game I've been playing for 10 years that just reached the conclusion of its main story. Yeah. I and mean, I that's think the point I think a lot of us are at right now. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we, we always said like when we started this show, we kind of always said that this show in particular had an expiration date. Yeah. Um, and it's not that we don't want to keep podcasting together. I mean, how we started an Xbox podcast together too. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's, um, but like, you know, somebody, a couple people have asked me, like, what are you going to do with Tower Casuals after the final shape? And I'm like, I I don't know. <laughs> we haven't had discussion yet. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, the Discord is going to be open and we're going to keep playing with everybody. And like, I love Destiny and I love this show. But I mean, if you don't want a show where the the host's hearts aren't in it or like, you yeah. know, we, we are going to go play other games. Maybe we'll you know instead of this every week we'll do this every other week and xbox casuals every other week or you know and yeah, get them on or... alternating schedules yeah and it's funny <laughs> because like the original plan for this show was to just like kind of do it whenever we felt like it but mm-hmm. we had such a steady stream of content coming out from arrivals onward that it made sense to do it every week and this isn't me saying like oh we're, we're just we're gonna stop doing it every week but like hey there there may be like a spring break for us mm-hmm because there's just not there's not a lot going on like it really all depends on what this wishes look like like by the time april comes and because we know we're getting another showcase in april we know we're getting into the light like we're locked in i am locked in Mm -hmm. by by like early to mid-april i will be locked in i'm ready to go the countdown is on the point that i thought i'd be at today is happening i'm ready like i'm ready at that point yep yeah, I mean, by by April, when the when the cycle starts, you know, the marketing cycle starts ramping up again. And, you know, probably once we start hearing stuff about wishes and everything like, 
yeah, we'll be locked in. It's just like right now, it's like really hard to be engaged and excited. Yeah. Uh, you that's know, not that's not to say there's not stuff to talk about. No, there's definitely stuff to talk about. Yeah. My 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 point is is like, I mean, we just talked about the hell of a year 2023 was, and we're sitting here talking about Prince of Persia for ten minutes before we started <laughs> recording, and yeah. it's like, you know, we're already getting games. So like we we've we've been asked. You know, it's been requested by more than a few people to do a Baldur's Gate episode. Yes. And, and we that will, get will that come in. this spring. Baldur's mm-hmm. Casuals will happen. It'll be a one off. We'll put it on both feeds. I promise I'll do it. I, at this point, need to find the money and the time to sit down and actually be able to play Baldur's Gate. Um, honestly, I've, I haven't talked to Corey about this yet, but I've, you know, tossed around the idea of maybe doing an RPG corner uh, once a month, you know, as you know, hey, we're going to take 20 minutes out of this episode to talk about RPGs kind of like we did when uh, when I was playing through Mass Effect for the first time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, hey, like, because there are three major RPGs that I'm going to be spending a ton of time with outside of Baldur's Gate when, when I finally get to it yeah. this spring. I'm going to be spending time with, you guys know how I feel about Persona. You guys know how I feel about Final Fantasy. And then Dragon's Dogma 2 is happening. Like, they, these are games that I want to be able to talk about. And thankfully, they're all coming before we get that big push in mm-hmm. April. So... I just I need I want to see how the next couple months shake out because I think in particular the next like eight weeks is going to be pretty rough for Destiny fans and I mean wishes could just blow us away but I'm not really counting on it and it's not me trying to be like oh Bungie can't put in anything good right now it's that look at how short of a time they had to throw something together yeah I'm not expecting the world from that especially with your storyline concluded. Mm-hmm. like if it's just gonna be oh go run the coil oh go run grandmasters like that that does nothing for me right i want to see like i want to see actual content and i know that that is such a steep demand in such a tight time frame when you know all heads need to be down working on the final shape and making it as good as possible there's a reason why they delayed it for the four months like you you have to have heads down working on that i we've thrown it out before like we're not even ruling out another delay if it gets delayed again i don't know what the fuck we're gonna do yeah but we'll cross that bridge if and when it comes to it i i still think there's gonna be another delay i personally am not super optimistic about that june release date if it really needed as much polish as they're saying yeah well Um, remember the original rumors were like september I mean, because but well, then because that would line June, up with the 10th anniversary. Yeah, well, June June sounds like a a stockholders uh placeholder date to make sure like their stock price doesn't fall. Like especially with well, Sony I mean because charge. they're already costing them for yeah. the Q1 results. It was uh-huh. supposed to be their big release of Q1, and it's not mm-hmm. happening. Yeah, the developers of Helldivers are breathing a gigantic sigh of relief right now. I know because <laughs> that was another first party game that was supposed to come out two weeks before. Yeah. Also, I think Bungie, I, 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 and I, I'll never rule out that part of this, I think, was also to get it out of the way of Final Fantasy. That is as much of a exclusive as you can possibly make a third party game. And that is regardless of what you may think of a JRPG, that game is going to sell millions upon millions of copies. It's, it's going to be one of the biggest games of the massive. year. It is it is already being pegged as a front runner for game of the year predictions like it's it's gonna be massive, and yeah. you better get out of the way of Q1's biggest game by far. Yep, that game that game's gonna be massive, and that was supposed to come out th- like thirty six hours after the final shape. Yep. So, <laughs> I, I I don't know what the whole spring is gonna look like. 
But I, I want to tell you guys, we're still gonna we're still gonna be here. We're still gonna talk Destiny. Write in on things you would like to hear us talk about. I'm gonna bring back some some of our old friends are gonna come join us. I am talking to Joe. I need to solidify it with him. But the plan is to get Joe on here in the next week or two to finally yep. have that in-depth discussion about bows. We've been putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. I want to get Joe in here yeah. to talk about this. I'm going to talk be to on Johnny. vacation in a couple weeks. Well, I'm going to be talking to Johnny about joining me for that week so that we can sit down and go through uh, the actually pretty great arsenal that we got this season um, and kind of do like an overview of like, maybe we'll have him on a second time to go over like the overall weapons of the whole year. Um, but it's just, you know, the, there comes a time when we feel like we're treading a lot of water. And yeah. I don't want to just pop in and be like, hey, guys, here's the twab for this week. And here's here's my grievances with PvP for the week. Like, I, I don't want to sit down and do that. It's just we, yeah. we start talking ourselves in circles at that point. Right. And remember, that was the big problem with um, IGN's fi- uh, fire team chat for a yep. long time was like that. Yep. That was the whole like last run of their show was like there was nothing to talk about. And all they did was complain about PvP. Uh, pvp and features not in the game and then they ended the show you know yeah and i would i would rather be i would rather have less destiny talk and more third party talk for a little bit Mm -hmm. if that means that we get to get back to doing what we do the absolute best in the run-up to and in the immediate aftermath of the release of a major expansion yep so you know, it may be a little rocky from here to March. Again, we may take a break here and there. Um, you know, Corey and I will talk about it more over the next couple of weeks. You guys have anything you want us to discuss? Seriously. Yes, please. Write it write. in. I do yes. not I do not mind. And I don't mean just like, oh, here's my question for the week. Like, actually, like, DM, DM me on Discord. DM me on yeah. Twitter. Like, my, my DMs are open on yes. both platforms. Mm-hmm. Hit, hit, hit me up. Hit Corey up. Hit the Tower yep. Casuals Twitter account up. Like, you know, let us know what you guys want to do. Like we do, we have things to talk about tonight. We're going to talk a little bit about the conclusion of this story. We're going to go more in depth next week on that. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I want to do the, I want to talk about the story as a whole next week for the whole year. Yeah. Um, we're going to reference it a little bit tonight. Uh, I think Paul Tassie had a pretty decent timeline of how this year went. Uh, we're going to talk the exotic mission. And then we're going to, we're going to shift gears a little bit before we circle back to questions in the war corner. We're going to talk uh, game of the year, 2023. Mm-hmm. Uh, Corey mm-hmm. and I are going to give our top tens. We're not we're not going to do the fun categories, the side categories that we did on Monday. We're going to do our top tens, have a little bit of discussion there, and then uh, you know we'll wrap up and get out of here. So now that now that we've complained for thirty minutes, yeah. Oh, excuse me, we've only complained for twenty three and a half. That's My bad. Uh, I, don't, I don't think we were. I don't think we were complaining as much as setting a roadmap of expectations and why we are setting that. Roadmap. Uh, it's the self. It's the self deprecation. <laughs> um (laughs) oh man so uh season of the wish wrapped up this week and uh if you were uh if you were eagle-eyed and you read all the prompts that come up you actually got this spoiled for you two weeks ago Mm um a lot has happened since the last time that we met about the story (laughs) not only have we gone back to the black garden and found you know riven's uh riven's old uh mate Terranus, but uh the portal of the traveler was finally opened and a uh, good old crow dove through it. Oh, crow. So crow is now stuck on the other side of that portal by himself. 
and we're left wondering how quickly does time pass yeah is he gonna really be over there for five months by himself or does it just kind of like happen like a snap yeah um we know at some point ikora ends up over there from the marketing uh from the trailer we got uh last my god last may um that we got where she's talking to kate around the campfire yeah um I just, I don't know. This is, this is such a, I wouldn't say this is a bad ending. It's just, it's very abrupt. And I think it would be less abrupt if we were going into this expansion in a month. I also don't think we would have gotten this mission until, I don't think we would have gotten him diving through the portal until like two weeks before. I'm adamant that there is another mission to go. Um, I still think there's going to be something much, much closer to the final shape. And I think if there wasn't already one planned, there definitely will be one. Now you've had six months to come up with something. Um, even if it's just us running around and like talking to like the vendors in the tower, like getting everybody like prepared, like, you know, Mm -hmm. the the beacons of Gondor have been lit essentially in the destiny universe. (laughs) Um, I would love to gather everybody on the helm and, you know, like it kind of be like, Similar to how the speaker talked to everybody in the tower at the end of Destiny 1's vanilla campaign, I would really love something like that with, like, a voiceover from... Maybe that's how you introduce um, Keith, Keith David. David. Yeah. yeah, maybe that's Keith David's first lines or something, where you, like, yeah, piece together some of, like, Zavala's old dialogue. You take, like, one of his speeches or something and play it over that. Yeah. Like, the speech he gives before you take back the city in the Red War. Yeah. Like from maybe even something from like those old trailers or something. Yeah, I think there's uh, there's some really good opportunities here. Um, this is just I don't think this is a bad ending. It's just it's abrupt and it's kind of not in like the scheme of things. I wouldn't say it's random, but it feels like we needed like another couple weeks of story on top of this because like we ran into the same problem we run into every season. Oh, there's a couple weeks with like no story progression. And we really got to stop doing that. I don't think it's any coincidence that one of the tightest seasons we've ever had for storytelling in a season was Risen when it was only four weeks of story. And boom, 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 boom. We were done for, we were done in a month with that season. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us attributed it to, oh, well, you know, that's the season that, you know, the, that the Witch Queen launched. And yeah, it was pretty great. I could just pop in, do the story, and then go back to doing Witch Queen stuff. And I played, what do you know? I played the game a little bit more than I normally would when an expansion came out. You know, you got the focus on all these mysteries and all these other things that were going on, you know, running Vow of the Disciple repeatedly. You know, you got the, you got to do all these things. And, well, I didn't really have to worry about, oh, go do the seasonal event like three times this week to advance the story. Nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, and this time it's it's different. Like, oh, you're running a coil each week just or you're running a Ripon's Lair to get, you know, to get an egg. And oh, boy. Right. Oh, boy. Let me tell you, it's really it's really jazzing me up making that omelet. Mm. I like a no. good omelet, though, Josh. I do like a good omelet. Um, I'm going to have one in a couple weeks at Chef Mickey's. <sighs> man, I hate you. No, you don't. Um, but I, I think some of the dialogue is really interesting. Riven kind of waxes poetic uh, when the mission starts up with the dialogue that she says to you. This is And this is directly pulled from uh, the text on the screen at the beginning and uh, how she talks to you. Um, 
The time has come for you to retrieve the last remaining egg from the heart of the confluence and for Riven to fulfill her promise. Doing so will require a great expenditure of my power. The Techians will not be able to maintain my conjuring afterwards. Which is to say, the wish will be our farewell, O guardian mine. What a strange life this has been. And though it was all taken from me, in the end, my murderer set me free and ensured the future of my of the progeny my mate and I created. Now I will sacrifice my lingering existence to ensure your future in return. Perhaps I am more like Terranus than I would like to admit. He always claimed that I was. Um, it is. This is just one of those missions that I think, especially when you get to the final cutscene. That it's just gonna, it's just gonna stick with us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you get, you get Mara, you get Crow and Petra all in this room, and you've got, and you're there obviously, and you know, you got the spirit of Riven talking and this and that, and it's really a great example of the power of an Ahamkara. This is the first time we've really gotten it on display, and oh boy, um, the fact that you. The funniest part about this is only one person gets to go through it. Yeah. But uh, the the moment between him and Mara share before Crow goes through the portal is really special, you know, where they, they touch palms um, and they go through, or he goes through at least, is just, man, it, it's a moment that as much as we may gripe about how we got there, it's a very powerful moment in Crow's storyline. Yeah. Um, it's a moment that truly, to me, feels earned. Yeah. Um, it's pretty fitting that it's him who jumps through it. And I mean, like, logically, it should be our guardian who jumps through it, right? But with it not being ours who jumps through, I mean, that's obviously how they explain away. Oh, well you can't access your character until the, until the mm-hmm. final shape. Right. Um, I like the idea of Crow being the one to go through it. it. It's an earned moment. It's a big moment that, you know, him and Mara share right there before he jumps through a really cool cutscene, I think to caps off as Paul Tassie said, a really uneven year um, of storytelling. Cause I mean, I think we've had so many highs. Yeah. And we've had so many lows at the same time. Yeah, it's been an it's been an interesting year just for the fact that it started so high or so low, really. Yeah. Well, I, I guess it started high with our hype and expectations, but then like definitely hit a low that we haven't seen in a long time, and then gradually ramping up to like sort of good in the middle seasons and now we're just in this waiting period of now we're heading back down that excitement you know it's like this whole year man it's just been definitely inconsistent and uneven yeah i think in terms of like the game overall it's definitely been inconsistent i think like just specifically talking about like the narrative like you know you you have lightfall which i don't i still maintain i don't think that lightfall is truly bad I do think it's lackluster compared to what we were expecting. And I, I think I do think part of that was us building it up, us buying into the marketing hype, not, and not just like us specifically, but like the fan base as a whole. Uh-huh. And we were riding the high of how good the witch queen was, but also like you look at how consistently good seasons were from arrivals through, I would say haunted. 
mm-hmm. in terms of the story that they were telling. Like, yeah, yeah. they were starting to feel samey in terms of the activities, but in terms of the story that was being told, it was worth it. Yeah. And I still think some some of the stories they were telling this year were pretty good. Absolutely. That that, that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm like <sighs> steering the conversation to, I guess, is you know, we have these lows, <laughs> the story on Niamuna, mm-hmm. you know, um, Nimbus. Uh, we, we have some lows there. Yeah. You know, the ultimate resolution of the callous story is, you know, rough. Um, That's a word for it. Yep. The callous stuff is rough. God, but there's the a bunch of... Th- so disappointing. Man. There, there's a bunch of stuff that I really love this year, though. The the origin of the witness that is one of the best cutscenes we've ever got. Yes, but also it was stuck at at the end of a mission, a seasonal mission, in a two minute cutscene. When I feel like that should have been something grand to reveal, almost. Um, and I mean that that was definitely the complaint that you know people like you know us and Bife, Gatto, like basically anybody who's anybody who cares about the story was saying like this should have been like the ultimate revelation of Lightfall, probably. Like, mm-hmm. we probably should have gotten this upon beating the witness in life. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's re- it is and always will be disappointing that that was not part of the main game. But if that's what it took for them to give us cutscenes in the timeline, then so be it. Um, that's a re- I think that's a really rad cutscene. Um, I may not have cared for Defiance, like, at all. <laughs> LOL, Amanda Holiday. Remember when she died? Um, <laughs> Hardly. But... Remember when Aramis just randomly saves Mithrax and then just fucks off, apparently never to be found ever again in the game? Yeah. Um, thanks to the Lord's abs that we've gotten. Like, ah, I feel like Benioff and Weiss when they're talking about the last season of Game of Thrones. Well, we kind of forgot that she existed. Um, that's about how I feel that the Destiny writers got with Aramis. It's like, yeah, we've got more important things to wrap up. But, you know, you, you, have, you have the unevenness of defiance which you know it's it's a disappointing season on top of a fairly disappointing story expansion right Mm -hmm. you get the easiest raid in the game but i still think has probably the coolest aesthetic uh the the terraform pyramid is rad as all hell yeah that that raid was really cool i think it's really cool i think that you know we needed a a starter raid for people to get into raiding just maybe it didn't need to come in your lead up to the end of the story we're telling like yeah yeah i also think i also feel like is perfectly fine as an intro raid. i was about to say the same thing i'm like i feel like deepstone crypt was your intro raid (laughs) for this deepstone crypt vault um i think those are both great intro raids yeah um the new Crota's End is a really good one to introduce people to raiding too. Very, very few mechanics in that raid. Um, but you know, you you have all that. You move on to the third season of the year, which was Witch, and I think Witch was really dope. You know, we we both talked about how we enjoyed the deep dive activity and like the roguelike elements. And I loved the deck building of Witch. I wish it was incorporated to the overall game more than just that one one or two modes. But I really I enjoyed if the deck try building. at some point to do that. I, I really hope that that's something they go with in the future um, because I think that was really cool and was a really fun way to kind of customize how your guardian could utilize certain abilities. And I like that not every card was always active. You know, you you had to it had to be drawn for you or you could redraw or something like that. Yeah, I think that was really cool. Um, obviously, the resolution of the the Aramis and the Hive storyline and Sabathun was all 
very cool bringing Amaru back was unexpected but really delightful I don't think any of us saw that season happening and then it did uh, that's probably the strongest season of the year if we're being totally I would, honest I would I would, yeah I would take that 100% um and then you have Wish which I mean Wish the story is over but the season isn't I feel like we can still judge the season though and it's just this, this has been really uneven it's weird we get the best single seasonal activity we've ever gotten in the coil yeah the coil is cool but we get a story that is just bobbing up and down that is clearly like trying to steer us into the final shape, but also is setting up a story that is going to be resolved in echoes with the soul divisive. And we've long speculated uh, a lot of you know lore heads have also guessed that the Vex are going to be the primary antagonist of whatever the next major expansion is. I mean, that that, that seems... it's time they've never really gotten the center focus. I the mean, other factions are be... basically dead. Yeah, I was going to say, we've already resolved the, everything with the other factions, except, you know, some uh, random hive, maybe, and, the, like, the <laughs> other faction of Cabal, maybe, but also, like, <laughs> the Vex is the one thing that has not been <laughs> solved yet, so. Yeah, um, so I, I think that, like, I also think something else that they've done pretty well is... They gave Osiris a purpose again. Osiris has just become like quietly one of the most important characters in Destiny 2. Mm-hmm. Not quietly. I, I guess that's kind of the wrong terminology to use. Um He was always imp- he was always important, but he really, you know, he took center stage in Beyond Lights here. And that truly turned out to be Sabathun, which is just it was so obvious, but it was still a delicious plot twist. Mm-hmm. That Savathun was really the one aiding us and aiding Crow and this and that for a whole year, essentially. Yeah. Um, and then when Osiris awakens to help us uh, figure out what the veil is and where it is and this next, he's having the visions of, uh, from when Savathun controlled him. Um, and then, you know, his continued prominence this year, especially in Season of the Wish, you know, some of the final dialogue Mara gives us this week, you know, when you talk to her after the cutscene is... Um, you know, continue to clear, cleanse the Dreaming City of the Vex that are invading, and then uh, Osiris is going to bridge uh, the veil to my brother, essentially. So, I think it's really cool that Osiris has continued to get to be, I mean, you know, he was the NPC who accompanied you throughout the campaign of Lightfall. If there's a high point for a character this year, I think Osiris has got to be on that list. Osiris getting a massive glow up after he's just been getting the shit kicked out of him for a few years now. Right. Uh, so, you know, really enjoyed seeing that. Um, my gripes about Lightfall aside, that first mission is still really, really cool. Uh, I, I actually love the final mission outside of the Callus fight. I, it's very long, but I love that mission. Just the onslaught of enemies that you fight in the courtyard with Keitel with you is awesome. Yeah. That was like that, that's that's such a cool story moment. We've begged for these moments for so long. Yeah. And it makes me hopeful that we'll get another one with, you know, maybe with the Vanguard accompanying us. You know, it was one of our praises of Witch Queen was uh, Ikora shows up and just starts dropping Nova bombs on people when you're on your way to go confront Sabathun. It's like, oh, we're finally seeing, you know, the these super powerful characters actually do something. Right. Um, it was something that we got back in that vanilla campaign. Uh, you know, we, we talk about it all the time, but in that homecoming mission of destiny two, 
when Zavala pops the bubble yeah. in the courtyard is still such a cool moment. Yeah. And I, I'm hopeful that we see more things like that going forward. I, I do think we're seeing the limitations of what the Halo Reach engine can do. Yeah, it's... I mean, unfortunately... There's a reason why Marathon is not being made on this engine. Yeah, and I wonder I wonder if the Marathon engine will end up powering whatever the next version of Destiny is. Yeah, it would have to be the next numbered installment, but I mean, I don't even know if we're going to get there at this point. Um, this is... this is People have said it before, like, oh, this is a make-or-break year for the franchise. This is the first year where it's actually felt like true since Forsaken. Like... Yeah, Forsaken was coming off of, you know, the disappointment of Vanilla D2, the absolute horrendous Curse of Osiris. And Warmind was like low-key. It, it cooked a little. We were like, okay, that inspired a little bit of confidence. I still wonder what the reaction would have been if they didn't reveal that Cade died. Um, oh, but unfortunately, that's something you had to give away in the marketing because you had to bring players back. Yeah. Just like I kind of wonder... If they could go back, would they have revealed that Cade was coming back in the final shape, or would they have saved that? That's like a break the glass moment to me. Yeah, and I think like it's it's becoming pretty clear that they they felt that they needed to do that back in May. Mm-hmm. Of oh, look at how people reacted to Lightfall and Defiance. We we got to break the glass here. We got to do it. We got to do it. Pull 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 the trigger. Let's go. Yeah, and. You know, we'll see how it all shakes out. I The year has been rocky at best. It's far from the best year of story. I'd actually say it's probably the weakest year we've had in story overall. Yeah. Um. Well, not overall, but... In a while. In a long time. Since Beyond Light, I think would be fair to say. Yeah. I look at the season set of company Beyond Light. You know, you you had and you know leaving the seasonal events out of the out out of the picture. You look at the stories told throughout Hunt, Chosen, Splicer and um, Lost. Yeah, great, great. Yeah, we, we form an alliance with Keitel. We fight to save the city with Mithrax. We uh, help Crow discover who he is. We save Osiris from Savathun. You know, so many cool moments happen there. You know, last year we go into it, and you know, oh, you've got Saladin having to join the Cabal because of Crow's mistakes. You've got you've got group therapy in Haunted. We hunted the relics of Nezarak, which you know wasn't that cool ultimately. And then you had you had Seraph, which was an awesome season, Re- resolving the Rasputin storyline finally. You know, Anna Bray coming back into the fold. Mm-hmm. And then you had this year, and this year has just been rough. It's been it's rough. It's as week, a, rough is an understatement. I, feel. I, I think you had. I think Deep was still over. I think Deep. And which were still good, story-wise. And I think this season is, like, fine story-wise. It's just, man, you can pretty clearly tell they just had a couple of elements that they needed to somehow squeeze in between Lightfall and the final shape, and somehow we got four seasons out of it. Um, It feels like we could axe probably everything that happened in Defiance and deep and still come to the same conclusion Mm -hmm. um and i mean i I said as somebody who liked deep i just said i like the story of deep and a lot of that is carried by that witness cut scene Mm -hmm. but like okay 
we got some resolution on the dreaming city stuff all right it just feels like a bunch of stuff that we could have wrapped up like this could have been an email type thing this could have been an email yeah um this this year's seasons have been the this could have been an email of destiny 2 and i just man if this is the last we ever see of the traditional seasonal model good riddance good riddance because it's been terrible it started out really good and then it got just really really tedious and repetitive to get to for all the reasons we've already talked about tonight um so yeah interesting end of the season um we'll dive into the se- the whole overall seasonal story more next week um it's just some gears to this uh to this black garden exotic mission mm. Uh, of course, it. came out two days, two three days after we broke for the holidays. Naturally, sure. they released an exotic mission the week of Christmas. Yeah, legit. <laughs> sure. Um. Okay? Question mark. Uh, this is this is a cool mission. It's a sh- fairly short mission. I think it's the shortest exotic mission we've gotten in a while. Oh, really? Um, yeah, it's pretty short. Um, I don't. I don't think it's all that long. The the mechanic definitely is not hard to figure out. Um, and I guess I kind of like that after, um, how long Vex Caliber can be as a mission. Yeah, I forgot how long Um, Vex Caliber was. I think that mission can be pretty long. Wicked Implement, obviously, if you mess up, guess what? You're doing the whole deep dive again. Um, I appreciate that it's not timed. That's another thing. I'll always be happy to go back to the Black Garden. And it's a new section of the Black Garden that isn't reprised from Garden of Salvation or from Vanilla D1. Which makes me really happy. Um, it, it's cool. It's always cool to see the environmental artists and the level designers get to do their thing. Um, the bow is really cool. The wish keeper instead of wish ender. Um, oh. The you know the symmetry there is cool. The cutscene you get is really awesome. The story of uh, Riven and Terranus. Um, that Terranus sacrificed his own life to ensure the protection of their species. It's. It's a whole thing, man. I I think it's a I think it's a cool mission. <sighs> I'd probably put it in terms of the three exotic missions we've gotten this year. It's probably second on my list. I think Wicked Implement has to be last, just because. Yeah, um, this is second, but that again, there wasn't a whole lot of competition. Vex Caliber is still an incredible mission to me, and like the I think the the lore that comes out of this is the most important thing. The bow is cool, but again, it's like all bow, it's like all exotic bows and trace rifles. Like you're really only going to maximize the potential of that weapon. One, this is a craftable exotic, so you got to go get all the exotic uh, quests done, stack them all up, do them at once, because they all involve beating the mission on uh, legend difficulty. But you're only going to maximize what these weapons can do if you're running the appropriate subclass. Uh, I personally am not a huge strand user. Uh, I don't think it's bad. It's just I have other things I prefer to play as a hunter. Um, but still a really rad bow. One of the coolest designed exotics we've gotten in quite a while, I would say. Um, but like overall, it, it's it's a fine mission. Other people have talked about this at nauseum for like three, four weeks now. That's part of what happens when, hey, surprise. Yeah. <laughs> We're putting out a mission after you've already decided you're going on break. Yeah. Um, and I, I had flirted with the idea of doing an emergency pod on it, but it was just like, oh, I don't think there's like really a ton to get into here. Yeah. I was uh, kind of surprised you didn't. And I was like, well, maybe there's, maybe there's nothing really to talk about. 
Yeah, I, and I don't think again. I, I don't think it's bad. It's just yeah. it is what it is. Um, yeah, I mean, you don't have to think it's bad for there not to have something to talk about. You know. Yeah, um, I, I think that the lore is really cool. We're going to talk about the lore and the lore corner tonight, but going to the Black Garden is always a fun experience. I would love to know the truth behind the Black Garden. One of these millenniums. Maybe that'll still... be the big kind of expansion after the final shape is like the Black Garden and like the rebirth of whatever. God, you know that's what's going to happen. They're going to try to, the final shape is the end of this and then they're going to shape it as some sort of like rebirth through the Vex. Probably. I am still, uh, I'm again, like still pretty hopeful for the story is going to go. I still think it's going to be cool. I still think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but man, this is, uh, this is one of those moments that I think we kind of look back on and we're going to be like, hmm, wish we got a little bit more out of this. Now, I don't, I don't know if the story's expanded upon in the exotic quests or not in the exotic uh, catalysts. I haven't dived into that. Um, I do think it's pretty cool that when you go to start doing those catalyst quests, you uh, light up constellations in the sky of the Dreaming City with the Wish Keeper. Mm-hmm. That's pretty dope to me. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty cool thing. I think it's it's fun. I think it's cool, um, but you know, just at the end of the day, like okay, cool. So this is this is something to go do for uh, this is something to go do for this week. That's going to take me like forty five minutes to do, maybe. Yeah. Um, you know what else? We'll keep him here, and I, I shouldn't complain about it, like it's content at least, yeah. but yeah. You know, there, there, there are other things to uh, to play and to do in game. I guess at this point, yeah. Plus, there's other games to play, Josh. Don't forget, we already yeah, established there's a lot, that. There's a lot of other games <laughs> to play. Uh, uh, Corey, do you have any? You have any other thoughts on? Uh, do you have any thoughts on this exotic mission at I, all? I think it's cool. I mean, I think the uh, kind of like the the premise and the this kind of duality of the bow and everything with you know wish enders is really cool it's very kingdom hearts and i know i know people roll their eyes when they hear kingdom hearts but as a kingdom hearts fan you know you have that symmetry there it was kind of something cool to me at least in my opinion so yeah i think this the symmetry is really cool we, we've gotten a decent amount of lore this season also about uh scissor which is uh you know, really nice to see when we're obviously getting the weapon that, you know, kind of pairs up with it. You have, you have wish keeper. This is, you know, this is the wish keeper. That's the wish ender. Um, it's not, it's always nice to see <laughs> nice to th- see things come full circle after like five or six years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I do, I feel like we're reaching the point in this game's life cycle, kind of like with other MMOs where it's like, we got to address some of these storylines or just accept that they're never going to be touched. Yeah. And I'm happy that we circled back to, despite the unevenness of the season, I'm happy we circled back around a ribbon into the dreaming city. And like, it, yeah, it's kind of a throwaway line of oh, the curse of the dreaming city can never be broken. Yeah. Because of content. That's the whole reason we can't break it. If destiny two ever gets sunset, then we can break it. Yeah. But until then it's not going to happen uh, in lore, unfortunately. So I, that's, uh, that that's makes me want that makes me want like a third game proper game uh, at some point if there is a third game I don't know that I will be there uh, that is that is not me you know being you know 
negative Nancy right now, but that is me being realistic. I just genuinely don't know if I will be there for a third game, um, the way things are going. And also because it's just like, I shouldn't have to play. I don't think I should have to play uh, another version of this game to find out the resolution of something from like six years earlier. Yeah, that's just my opinion. That's my two cents. Um, All right, Corey, let's shift gears a little bit. Yeah, shift gears, shift it. Let's shift gears. Let's uh, let's 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 do some game of the year talk. All right, let's do it. Well, let's let's do it. Let's uh, let's bring this up. Hopefully, this is the last time. I've opened this up so many times in the last couple of weeks that it's like just saved into my uh, suggestions whenever I start typing in yeah. Chrome. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I'm um, uh, my notepad. It's literally the top note because this is the third time I think this week I've talked about this. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, we're we're just gonna do our top tens. Um, not gonna do any of the other stuff. You want you want the expanded field? Go listen to Xbox Casuals. Yes. Um, a massive three hour pod, by the way. Yeah. Um. So we did we did our top tens in order, uh, ranked from ten to one. Uh, we'll do it. We'll do it ping pong style. Uh, Corey, your number ten game of the year. Uh, my number ten, a little game called Raven Lock from coco cucumber it is a zelda coco uh, cucumber is that like a top five studio name i mean it's pretty good they're little it's like uh, up there with second dinner for me their little mascot is a cucumber drinking hot cocoa so you tell me that's pretty fantastic yeah with like not the not the scary funko pop eyes but the cute ones you know <laughs> not the scary there's certain funko there's certain mascots that can pull off the all black kind of Funko Pop looking eyes. Yeah. The, the the ones that look like they're dead inside. Yeah. Yeah. This one's cute. This one's cute. Um it's a Zelda like adventure, like a I would say it's a 3D version of a top down Zelda and not like full on Ocarina or you know, definitely not Breath of the Wild. But it's a you play as a girl who gets sucked into basically Alice in Wonderland and you kind of have to solve these dungeons in three or these puzzles in three separate dungeons. And then you go into the castle and uh, figure out what's going on with the queen of hearts. And it's a, it's a good game. It's on game pass. It's only on Xbox and PC right now. I'm sure it'll hit other platforms at some point, but Ravenlock is my number 10. Yeah. That Coco Cucumber is a studio that ID at Xbox has a really close partnership with. <laughs> so I would, yeah, I would both expect other that game to come to PS5, like probably in like March or April. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Their other games are already on Switch, at least. I know that. So, yeah, I, I'm saying I think they have the, they have an exclusivity agreement, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, probably until the game leaves Game Pass. Probably. So, um, my number 10, you probably would not have guessed that it would be this low on the list um, back in September, but uh, Starfield. I got Starfield at number 10. Yeah, I, this when we were talking on Xbox Casuals, I was I was shocked that this game was low on your list. Um, I thought it would have been a top five. Yeah, I mean, I I really thought it was going to be, but I mean, I have one, two, three, four, five games that I played after Starfield for the first time, and they obviously all were all, all five of those, and those are just the ones that I played that ranked above it on this list. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm I'm de- I definitely was surprised if you would have told me at the beginning of the year that Starfield and uh, Tears of the Spoiler Alert Tears of the Kingdom would not be my like one and two of the year I would have slapped you silly yeah um 
you know, the follow-up, <laughs> one of the, the latest game from one of my favorite studios of all time, and the follow-up to, in my opinion, the greatest game ever made um, in Tears of the Kingdom. But Starfield, it, it does it does enough things right that it still makes this list. The moment, the highs in this game are incredible. There are some classic Bethesda moments in here. They clearly put their own spin on sci-fi exploration, and I really enjoy so many moments of this game, whether it's the first time you fight a Terramorph or it's finding out the truth behind New Game Plus, um, the incident in the lodge that happens, the repeated, the videos that I keep seeing of people who have gotten like New Game Plus 20 or 30 and all the insane things that keep Jeez. happening to them in these. Um, some of them are laugh out loud hilarious. That's ridiculous, um, man. New Game Plus 20 and 30. And they're still, they are all still brand new scenarios. So yeah. Um, I think I'd rather be the kid that beat Tetris. Somebody got to New Game Plus 30 and found a scenario nobody else had found yet. Oh, wow. Yep. And that was a couple, that was like a month or two ago, maybe. Um, I think it does enough things right that it warrants a place on the list, but it does enough things wrong that I can't consciously put it any higher. The UI is fucking awful in this game. It's, it's absolutely atrocious. Um, the fact that there's only four companions you can have is a huge bummer because they suck. Um, I don't like any of the companions in this game. Yeah. Um, they're all goody two shoes people too, which is no fun. Um, part of the fun part of Skyrim, and I would say especially a fallout Four, was the moral ambiguity of several of the characters, you know? You had to kind of, there's the meme of Piper hated that, you know, but um, I, you know, in Fallout 4, like I found myself drawn to playing with Kate because I could kind of be a little bit more like trigger happy um, or stealing and sneaking and things like that. You know, Piper very much feels like she belongs in the fucking Starfield crew. Um, but despite all that, I do think that like there's some really cool highs in this game, but there's there's some pretty big lows. Um I'm excited to see if this become. I mean, I, this surely is becoming a franchise, uh, despite it being uh, on Game Pass day one. This game still sold enough copies when it came out to instantly be like the seventh best-selling game of the entire calendar year. Yeah. Um. So it's it's. I think it's Xbox's first game to chart on one of those charts in years. Like. Since, like, maybe Halo 5, in all honesty. I would have said Halo 5 or Gears 4. Uh, Gears 4 did not finish in the top 20 of its release here. Yeah. They, Matt Piscatello was... I, I did some like... research today because Matt Piscatello was tweeting out a bunch of charts from the last 20 years. And uh, Halo 3 had some insane staying power. Yeah. Halo, Halo 2, and Halo 3 each stayed on the top 20 for, like, three years after their release. Halo Reach... Believe it or not, the number two selling game of its release here. Uh, that doesn't surprise. Well, what's outsold at Call of Duty? I believe Black Ops did. Yes. Yeah. That that doesn't really surprise me. People Still surprised like, me a little like bit. Reach. Four sold really really well too. Four finished in the like the top five or six, I think, of its year. Yeah, well, people were um, people were so stoked for Halo 4 to come back. I still I still defend Halo Four. Oh, Fight I me. I, I Halo Four is my favorite game. I love I love the story. The multiplayer may be a different story, but I still played a lot of that too. Halo Five charted really high. Mm-hmm. It's it's crazy. Like there is, despite you know what 
People will be like, oh, well, Halo Infinite didn't jerk. Yeah, because it's a completely different release system, you bozos. They made multiplayer free. That's why most people were buying it. <laughs> Anyways, waxing poetic aside about sales numbers, I was very surprised to see Starfield do as well as it did. I think it puts the nail in the coffin of, well, something came to Game Pass, so it's not going to sell well. Um, at least as a first-party game. I think it put that to rest. Um, obviously, not every game is going to be Starfield, but... yeah. yeah. What's your number nine game, Corey? Uh, my number nine game, Josh, is Hi-Fi Rush, another Xbox... Uh, God well, fucking love Hi-Fi Rush. For now, uh, Xbox exclusive. Um, judging by some of the recent rumors we've been kind of talking about on Nintendo Power Block, but, uh, you know, it's uh, it's a fantastic rhythm game. I, I think it's... I think it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, I love the music. The soundtrack is great. The characters are charming. Uh, I love the art style. I think the bosses are cool. I think the boss fights are like the coolest part of the entire game. You know, uh, <clears throat> it's definitely worth a try if you have Game Pass or even if you don't. I mean, it's what, 30 bucks, I think, if you don't have Game Pass and you're one of those. Uh, yes, it's a $30 game. Don't like to uh, subscribe to a service that gives you a bunch of cool games. Um, you know, still the best value in gaming. Yeah, it's it's awesome. So I would. I highly recommend trying it out. So, uh, yeah. Hi-Fi Rush. Yeah, very good. Very good game. Uh, my number nine is Diablo 4. Um, I absolutely loved Diablo 4. I'm a little surprised it wasn't higher on my list. But I think that just speaks to how good of a year this was. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I put like something like 100 hours into Diablo 4 this summer. Um, probably would have been more if I had played any of the seasonal content at all, but uh, really, really liked this. Was stoked for it. Um, I think Diablo 4 told a good story. I cleared, you know, 100% of the map as much as I could. Really enjoyed uh, climbing the world tiers with friends. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to see what they do with some of the seasonal storytelling. I'm super excited for Vessel of Hatred this year. Um, Blizzard expansions are always a reason to get excited, in my opinion. So... Yeah, I'm excited to see how that game, uh, the expansion turns out. Because I know like people love the game, and then people didn't care for the seasonal content. So, yeah, uh, there. And I, I will say, like, that's part of the reason why it is a little bit lower. Is I still don't think Diablo necessarily works as a live service game. Yeah. Um, I think seasonal content is fine, but um, I wish that their seasons were like, I don't know, six months long or something. Yeah. Um, it just feels really weird to have a game like this have seasonal content that just like, is like going to go away. Yeah. Um, Diablo's strength has always been in its, you know, and I mean, Diablo 3 had seasons also. So, and that was something they added way down the line. Like, look how long Diablo 3 had as a lifespan. Mm-hmm. It's so, still going. You know, they said just... they don't, they don't want Diablo 4 to go on as long as 3 did. Yeah. So that makes me think that well, five. They, is... they also said they didn't want three to go as long as two, and it did. So, <laughs> well, I mean, th- three almost did out of necessity. Uh, once Bobby saw how much money it was making, but now you know you have a new you have new leadership in charge. You have Rod Ferguson over there who can go to fight for you know Blizzard and whatnot. Um, I'd say no, we're we're gonna move on and do this. Um, so yeah, Diablo Four, number nine, uh, probably my favorite multiplayer of the year too. If we're being totally frank. Um, just really loved the pop in and out multiplayer of that game with friends. What's your number eight, Corey? Uh, my number eight, Josh is uh resident evil four. Um, okay. 
it's a remake, but I never played the original and we kind of had this discussion on Xbox Capitals. Yeah. Like I never I don't like usually like to put remasters or remakes on my list just because unless it like absolutely changes the way you see the game, like, you know, Final Fantasy seven remake or Resident Evil two remake. Right. Like those games absolutely change the way you think about those uh, franchises. So uh, but I had never played Resident Evil four uh, seriously anyway. And I played all the way through it and I enjoyed it. And then the separate ways DLC kind of solidified that uh, for me. So I thought I had to put it on this list um, somewhere. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, Resident Evil 4, one of the greatest <clears throat> games of all time. So mm-hmm. not a surprise to see it on this list. Uh, number eight, I've got Cocoon. Yeah, good one. Um, Cocoon <laughs> would have been my indie of the year if one very late comer had not uh gotten played by me cocoon man um if you like puzzle games and you like games that are like you could knock this out in an evening or two of just like kind of casual play this is the perfect game for you um i was surprised i sat there and think i played for like an hour and change and i was already like 25 percent of the way through the game apparently mm-hmm. um that's you know kind of a crazy thing to realize but um really like much story to it but it is like it, it's very much a puzzle based game it's very cool i enjoyed it if you liked kind of you know the thinking in something like inside or limbo which the creators of cocoon were also some of the leads on those two games then this is a game where you're going to feel at home it's, it's a very weird game uh i would have bought this regardless but you know annapurna really doesn't miss when it comes to the games that they publish yeah um consistently put out some of the best indie games so super happy. If you have Game Pass, check it out. It's on there. If not, I think this is like a $20 game. Totally worth your 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. And a great experience on handheld, by the way. I, I played uh, I played some of it with my backbone and really, really liked it. Yeah. Then back number seven, Corey. Backbone is uh, totally worth it. Backbone's great. Um, you know what I've actually heard is not horrible from our friend Ray. He is really enjoying the PlayStation Portal. That's what I've heard from uh, our friend Stephanie. She he said it. he he played the entirety of Alan Wake Two on it, I believe. That's that's nuts. He was playing a, he was playing like an hour or two before bed each night, and said he likes it that much. Uh, he says it's clearly made for him because you know his daughter's always using the uh, the TV with the PlayStation on it, so he can sit there and you know play while she's watching uh, you know Sesame Street or something, or you know he can play uh, via remote play in bed. Yeah. So yeah. Um yeah great uh i hear it's great i would really like some sort of handheld device i could play some xbox things on besides my phone someday soon maybe uh it's my turn right number seven yes uh so my number seven josh is um a little game called remnant 2 played a bit of it over break and uh it's really good it's like a it's like a it's like a poor man's outriders which was the uh poor man's outriders <laughs> oh man outriders game of the year 2021 ish right 2022 one one of those years anyways uh it's great i think uh you know, that that studio really knocked it out of the park this time around. I did play a little bit of the first one and thought it was good, but not great. And I feel like they really kind of perfected that uh, 
that system that they're working with there on this one. Uh, so Remnant 2. Also, yeah, I hear this one is like way more polished than the first one. From oh, what yeah. I understand. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And Surprise pre-Christmas Game Pass drop. Yeah, both of them. Both of them. Yes, both of them. Uh, but yeah, a lot of folks who like Destiny a lot went and played Remnant 2 over the summer. were like, yep, this is a really great game. And then kind of seems like everyone fell off. Um, I know uh, Abantis came back for the uh, for the DLC and was raving about it. So I want to check. I want to check out add Remnant 2 to the games I need to play in Q1 of this year. Yeah, I, I am heard, running heard, out of time. Yeah, I heard it was really good. Or I heard the DLC is like something people should be playing. And you can get through like the base game in like 30 hours, I think. Yeah. Um, you don't have to grind out endlessly, obviously, just like the story content. Uh, my number seven, a game that Corey's already brought up, Hi-Fi Rush. I love it. Best style of the year. Just incredible. Yep. Incredible style, feel, attitude whatever you want to call it. I uh, can't still can't believe that this came from uh, Tango. I know. But here we are. Uh, Shinji Mikami said it was okay to make this game, which is wild to me. Yeah. Uh, but hey, awesome game. Check out Hi-Fi Rush if you have not. Not going to sit here and wax on it. What uh, What's number six, Corey? Uh, my number six is Super Mario Brothers Wonder. Josh, uh, it's a wonderful 2D Mario game. Uh, with Big great- surprise. Your kids love it too. Uh, yeah, my daughter really likes it. My son likes to yell at it. Um, I mean, look, my son isn't even three yet, so he just kind of like, he'll just like hold the controller at point and yell, uh, which is really good for Mario Party. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, my, my daughter loves Peach and Daisy. So, um, I try to convince her that she wasn't <laughs> in a nice way that she wasn't good enough to play as Peach or Daisy and that she should probably choose Yoshi or Nabbit. But she's like, but it's not Peach, so don't tell me what to do. And I'm like, okay. Well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, the little bit that I played of Mario Wonder is really cool. Uh, another game I did not get to play. I, didn't get, I got to play it. I didn't get to play enough of it to rank it, in my opinion. I only got to play like two, three hours worth. Um, my number six, Spider-Man 2. Spider-Man 2 is fantastic. Uh, it improves on... The first game in almost every single way. Um, I really, really, really love uh, exploring New York. The The wing glider suit is a special thing. I think that it really, really adds to the mobility of the game. Um, it makes mobility a little bit less frustrating, a little bit easier to string together some of those combos. Um, Miles gets an awesome story in this game. Miles is, continues to be my favorite character of the Insomniac-verse. Um the the twi- the twists with the Venom storyline is really cool. It's maybe my favorite Harry Osborn in recent Spider-Man media also. Uh, I mean, dude, God, just uh, who, who are some of the other characters? Uh, Mr. Negative is awesome in this game. Uh, he's really great continuing that storyline from the first game um, and his relationships to both Peter and Miles. Um, this really feels like a world that's lived in. Outside of like one major gripe I have with this game is... Where the fuck are the Avengers in all of this? The Avengers are just like, there's like 15 9-11s happening outside their window. And they have a BRB do not disturb sign up. And I'm just, they gotta be like the biggest bums in this universe. They are nowhere to be seen. If you've made it to Act 3 of the game, you understand what I'm saying. Uh, but even like the Sandman chase at the beginning, you're like, oh, 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 oh. Um, but low key, I think one of the best moments of this game is 
when uh, you do the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man missions, there's one with Miles' deaf friend, Haley, which is really cool. Um, and then there's one with, uh, you're helping find a grandpa who has gone wandering off. And I think that uh, that the moment with Grandpa Grandpa Earl is uh, one of the best moments of the year in a game. It's just like, Insomniac's writers just get this world. At least as it pertains to Spider-Man. Because like we said, the Avengers are bums in this world. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Corey, yes. what's your number five? We're getting to the big five. Oh, uh, the top five. All right. Uh, just to go back to Spider-Man real quick. I yes, it's not it's not on my list. It was like a number eleven, but also I also think it's not on my list because I played all three of them back to back to back in a row. Yeah, and uh, I was a little bit tired by the time I finished Spider-Man two, and I also think Miles Morales is like the far superior game. But we talked about that enough on Xbox Casuals. I just wanted to chime in on that uh my son loved watching me watching me play though because he loves spider-man and you know miles morales aka spin as they call him and spidey and his amazing friends oh my god get out of here what's your number five <laughs> uh my number five is pikmin four josh uh okay it's uh incredibly relaxing and fun and mechanically sound. I think the characters are really annoying, but I just ignore them. I just skip all. I literally have no idea what's going on in the game. I skip all the dialogue. Uh, but Ochi is a great mechanic. Uh, the little dog character thing, <laughs> alien dog that you run around with. And uh, I don't know. I just I, I'm a huge Pikmin fan. Uh, I was a little bit disappointed with three, uh, but this seems to be a return to form and then some uh, it's my favorite one since the first one. Ah, God, Pikmin one is so good. I know Pikmin one's amazing. Uh, what's your? I don't think four? we talk enough about how good that launch window was for the GameCube. Oh, I know. I think everybody was at the time was too mad that it launched with Luigi's Mansion and not a real Mario game. That I think everybody just tried to block it out of their mind. But then, well, it, it's that. But also, I think that we look back on that like we forget that Ma- Smash Brothers Melee Pikmin. Luigi's Mansion and Star Wars Rogue Rogue, Leader were all like within a month of the console coming out because all of that got overshadowed by Halo. I know. And Melee Melee would take off and have the sustaining like the sustained power going forward. But it'll always be etched into my mind. The uh, the Game Informer issue when those consoles released and they said uh, in the opening to their Game of the Month spiel because they used to do a paragraph for Game of the Month Mm -hmm. before they actually did the, the review um the, on the next page and they says uh three months ago if you had told us that halo was going to be game of the month over luigi's mansion we would have laughed you out of the room mm-hmm. they're like instead what follows is basically something that completely redefines what a f- shooter can be on consoles yeah and is maybe like the greatest launch title outside of super mario 64 ever <laughs> yeah uh, and you know little did any of us know that that little game called halo would uh become a cultural revolution yeah. so still going sort of my number five i'm really surprised it's this low on my list tears the kingdom mm. um i the things i love about this game i love let me be super clear it has two of the greatest moments in Zelda series history with the sword pool and the final skydive are just breathtaking moments that are super emotional. They really, both of those moments really like kind of bring the series full circle for what it's been for its whole history and 
kind of closes the book on the first like 35 years of Zelda. Mm-hmm. At the same time, <laughs> it has me exploring the same world that I 100%ed five years ago. Yeah. It has me going to Sky Islands, which was fine. I enjoyed those. And then it has me mapping the entire world again underneath. Yeah. I have really bad anxiety. I don't know if you guys are aware of this. I don't know if I've talked about this never before. Heard, never heard you say that before. Yeah, I, I may have mentioned that I'm on anxiety medication. Uh, let me tell you, I was popping a few zannies every time I went into <laughs> the underground. Because, uh, oh boy, it's rough. I already don't see very well Like when it's dark on the screen. I usually have my brightness really jacked up as a result. That did not help here. We totally frank with y'all. It did not help. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, just, I don't know. And I enjoy so much of what's done with most of the characters. I just still know how I feel about the voice acting. Still not sure how I feel about voice acting in Zelda. I know it's inevitable. Just please never make Link talk. Yeah. I just, I never. like Zelda. I, Matt Mercer, I think does an admirable job as Ganondorf. I, uh, I like Patricia Somerset as, uh, Zelda. God, is this this is the first game where it really truly feels like since the first Zelda, like this and this and Breath of the Wild really feel like the first game since the original 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 Zelda game that feels like the legend of Zelda. Yeah, I would even argue that these these two encapsulate that much better than any other game in the series, especially this one. Yeah, this, like these two games, it's just this link. This link goes through more than any other link, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, he goes through. Uh, goes through a bit. He may not. He may not like go through what Ocarina of Time Link did, but he goes through enough. Yeah, yeah. Tears I mean, of the Kingdom, especially like I mean, you can listen to our whole conversation on uh, Xbox Casuals about this game, but uh, yeah, especially when you include Age of Calamity in there, right? Like the Warriors style game. If you are yeah, unaware. very underappreciated. Yeah. For a lore perspective, the game is yeah, whatever, but it's got a lot of Zelda lore in it and it's great. So, um, I guess that means it's, it's my turn for number four, huh? Uh, Star Wars Jedi Survivor is my number four, Josh. God, Jedi Survivor is so good. It's a wonderful video game. Uh, great combat, great characters. Cal Kestis is great. Marin is great. Uh, you got you got Deborah Wilson in there, Josh. Um, you know, voice of Savathun for those on. We we do like Deborah Wilson. Yeah. So uh, that's that's my number four. I don't really know what else I can say about it that's not already been said. Uh, it's fantastic. It's one of the best. It's the second best Star Wars game of all time behind Kotor. Mm-hmm. Um, I tells. would I would argue with the way that Kotor hasn't really held up that this may be the best Star Wars game. I won't go. I won't go that I far. I think Kotor was so responsible for. It was responsible for bringing Bioware to the masses. I, Revan is still one of the most fanatically popular characters in the Star Wars fandom. Yeah, I I, I think Knights of the Republic definitely still gets its flowers. It has not aged well. But I'm talking from a gameplay perspective, definitely. Oh, yeah. I mean, from a gameplay perspective, it hasn't aged well at all. But ah, that game is still so magical, though. Yeah. Uh, the imperfections yeah. be damned. KOTOR is number one. Uh, my number four, Sea of Stars. Ooh, Sea of Stars. I really got into Sea of Stars. And it may have inched higher on this list if it wasn't for just some mind-boggling decisions made in the final act of the game. Um, 
again has one of my favorite moments of the year it is maybe my favorite combat of the year in anything uh very much a love letter to super nintendo rpgs to you know classic final fantasies to chrono trigger um I just I, I don't know what I'll say it's a it's a great story up until that really bizarre decision in the third act and then I'm like huh okay well this game just got knocked down a couple pegs for me yeah. um, but Sabotage is an awesome studio can't wait to see what they do next very excited um, and it's a game that I don't think was on a ton of people's radars and then just kind of like not swooped in out of nowhere but it was really like around like May where I think everybody started to take notice of this game mm-hmm and then it finally releases and it's one it's the rare game that came to both game pass and yeah, it's the only game that's ever done it game pass and ps plus on the same day still has sold over a million copies so mm-hmm. yeah gr- great indie go play it it's fantastic yep all right Corey. top three top three all right i have a feeling this game would have been higher on my list if i played more of it uh which i'm actually playing it right now is final fantasy 16 josh Oh boy. Amazing combat, great characters, awesome world building and design. I think the um I think I think the characters are wonderful. It's I like kind of how dark it is without like going too far. I think the icon battles are amazing. Uh Yeah. You know, it's uh, it, the icon battles <laughs> are the most dazzling thing of the year yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, they are incredible. Like each one just keeps getting better and better and better. So uh, Final Fantasy 16, if you haven't played it and you have a PlayStation 5, you owe it to yourself to at least try it. There is a demo that is two hours long. I don't know if the demo does the game enough justice, but it is enough for you to get a feel of what the combat is like, at least in the opening probably 10 hours or so, what you'll experience. So, yeah. Final Fantasy 16, Josh. Is Final Fantasy 16 is such such a great game. It's an amazing. It's a wonderful video game. <sighs> number three, uh, and I really feel like I could swap this with number two on my list. I've got Jedi Survivor um, for all the reasons that Corey and I've talked about before. Not going to waste anybody else's time with this. Awesome game. Go play it. Yeah. Number two, Corey. My number two is Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, It was initially lower on my list, but I got sucked back in over break and did a ton of shrines. And let me tell you, Josh, the shrines are the reason to play these games. Um, And I think the shrines in this game are better than the first one in a lot of ways. Um, I would agree. They're a lot more creative. There's not there's not, you know, 20 of those or 25 of those tests of power or whatever they were called in the first one. Right. Where you just fight the enemy and then. I still hate the ones where they take all of your, uh, what you call it, all oh, your armor and weapons yeah. away. I still hate that. Yeah. Uh, so I turn around and walk straight back out. Mm-hmm. I think it has one of the best endings to a Zelda game. I think it has one of the best sword pulls, maybe the best sword pull in Zelda. In Zelda. Um, and like you said, it really feels like the legend of Zelda. So... That's yeah. my number two, Josh. Uh, my number two, a game that Corey just mentioned, Final Fantasy 16. Mm-hmm. Um, I could easily swap this with Jedi Survivor. Um, thought about it a couple times, but man, those icon fights, they make up for all the shortcomings of this game. The icon fights are just dazzling. Yeah. I love it. Clive is the best Final Fantasy protagonist easily since Titus. Mm-hmm. Um. He may he may be the second best protagonist 
overall in the series behind Cloud, in all honesty. Uh, ben Starr is just magical as Clive. Uh, I, I think the game definitely does stumble a bit. Uh, it, it's funny, it's kind of similar to Sea of Stars. I think you get to like the 80% mark and the game definitely starts to stumble. Yeah. Um, That's but I think I Final Fantasy 16 holds on just enough and the icon fights are a lot of that reason. Um, but the side quests you also get towards the end are just they're they're magical. Yeah. Um this is this is a game that like you get out of it what you put into it. Mm-hmm. Um in terms of the side content, the monster hunts and things like that. So this is a really cool game. I really appreciate it. Um I'm excited for the DLC coming out in March. Uh, about the Leviathan. Very excited for that. We'll see how that one goes. Did but, they uh, uh, did they say that the DLC takes place after the game? I honestly don't remember. Okay, because I was like, I'm playing it. I'm having an amazing time, and I'm like, should I just say, does the DLC take place during the main campaign? Because like, I really don't want to. I don't think that it does. I can't explain it without it yeah. completely ruining yeah, the whole game. Fair. For I don't want you to ruin it. I'm yeah. enjoying myself way too much yeah. for that. But... All right, Corey. Game of the year. Game of the year, Josh. Drum roll, please. Um, I roll, please. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I, man. Hogwarts Legacy, man. It's amazing. It's incredible. I love it. You do you, boo. I love it. I love, I love walking around the castle. Whipping around some unforgivable curses and kids not even batting an eye. They're all just scared of my character, uh, in my opinion. But no, I, I, I think uh, that game reminds me a lot of like my wife and I like binging the whole series, you know, a few times and our kind of shared love of that universe. And I mean, she, she loves it a lot more than I do, but, um, I don't know. It, there's a lot of intangibles to that game that made me feel the way I do when I play it. And it's, uh, I don't know. It was a wonderful experience. And the story of the Goblin Rebellion is interesting enough to keep you moving through the story. They definitely didn't nail it. And it's definitely maybe not technically the best video game that came out this year, but it was my favorite and I had a great time. Yeah. So. Oh, man. <clears throat> what's your number my one, uh Josh? my game of the year should not come as a surprise to anybody who heard me talk about this earlier this year uh it's phantom liberty mm. it is uh one of the great expansions of all time it's up there on probably the mount rushmore of uh gaming expansions as far as i'm concerned um it takes a game i already loved dearly loved in cyberpunk 2020 and this is the perfect version of that game um Releasing it alongside the 2.0 update was a brilliant marketing decision because you really are playing the complete game. Um, just what a what a magical experience. Um, so much so that I did an entire other run of the game. <laughs> I, I liked it that much that I played through the whole game again. And it is night and day what content was from the base game versus now. Mm. Um, Idris Elba does a great job of Solomon Reed. Um, Really, like all all the mocap and voice actors do an incredible job in this one. Uh, whether they're playing Songbird, Alex, uh, the President, um, the uh, the antagonist of the game, whose uh, name is eluding me right now. I've played a lot of games this year. Um, 
and how the game really diverges when you get to the third act of phantom liberty the game takes a sharp turn and uh you don't know it's going to take the turn at that point um and you can have two radically different experiences um i think they're both worth checking out and seeing but yeah cyberpunk 2077 man uh what a what a redemption story that game has become um cd project red announced i think last week that it sold 5 million copies in 2023. Just the expansion did. Yep, that's a lot of copies. So, that is a lot of copies indeed, my friend. So, um, yeah, one one hell of a redemption story for this game. Nice. I think that does it. I think that uh, puts, a, puts a bow on Game of the Year. Were there any other games you wanted to shout out, Corey, that maybe didn't make your list? Uh, rapid Fire. Well, I want to shout out real quick... Um, I've been playing Immortals of Avium. Uh, okay. It's uh, kind of like a first-person magic shooter. Um, it's got Gina Torres in it. You know, she quit Destiny to go pl- do this game. <laughs> I kid. Uh, but Not really. We're joking. Yeah. Uh, although I haven't seen her in anything other than this since she left Destiny. So uh, She is a full-time actress. I know. I know. I'm just... I'm just... I'm being a dick. Um but it's fun. It kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, the first Wolfenstein game that Machine Games did, The New Order, where it kind of starts out slow and you're like, why do people like this game who've played it? And then, you know, about an hour and a half to two hours in, you get in and you fight a dragon and you're like, oh, OK, I get it. I get it. Um, it's yeah. it's a very <laughs> I get it. It's a very solid seven, Josh. It's the solidest of sevens. Solidest of sevens. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, that's uh, that's really the only game I wanted to shout out, and I think most. Uh, I would shout out. Uh, there's there's an indie that I played that I really liked, uh, Jassant. Mm. Yeah, really cool. One of the more creative games of the year. Um, I just couldn't put it any higher on my list. Unfortunately, that that's a very stacked year. Um, just yeah. narrowly missed a cut. Came in at eleventh when I was ranking on everything. Um, and also uh, a game that I did not expect to like. Uh, I wasn't sure how the gameplay of this series was going to lend itself to a new format, but Persona 5 Tactics, uh, actually kind of a cool game. The story is, you know, kind of nonsensical, um, but overall, pretty fun game. Of course, all it did was make me want to go play Persona 5 again instead of finishing it, so it's uh, <laughs> that's why I got major points deducted. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, here, here's your punishment. Go play, go play, your, go play uh, one of the greatest RPGs ever made again. Darn, <laughs> darn, darn! Guess I'm gonna boot that one up. Um, yeah, those, those are the two I would probably shout out um, if I was gonna give any more. Nice. All right. Well, Corey, we got a couple questions tonight. We do have questions. We're we're gonna hit these questions real quick, and then we're gonna run to the lore corner before we get out of here. All we right. have two questions tonight. We have a question from Knox. You guys are slacking too. Mm. What is your most crackpot destiny theory? Um, the time loop that we are that uh, that Elsie is in. Um, we're gonna replace her, and Destiny's gonna reset with Destiny three, and it's just gonna start over. I would be so mad. I know, <laughs> be the worst thing of all. Time. I would be so infuriated. There, there is no quicker way I, to just blow this franchise up. I do think there is some sort of 
time loop thing that we are going to get stuck in. I don't know if Destiny resets or if we're going to... That's like the whole premise against the Vex and the, whatever the next major expansion is. But I yeah. do think... I do think that's how you bring back other places and other other things and uh, maybe some old foes that people like and there, there's something there and I feel like that's another break glass moment. Uh, you know, the building's on fire, get the water bottle type thing, but... Uh, get the water bottle. You know, I mean, you know, if they do that, the building's already burned to the ground. They're just... Oh, it's it's, it's crispy. Just, it, it's crispy it's, down there. It's just raining outside, and they need shelter until the morning. Is what's really happening with this? Uh, oh man, yeah, it's gonna be. It's 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 uh, it's looking a little rough right now. That's I I think that that I've been thinking about that for a, a little bit now. Um, I wasn't gonna say anything until now. Now we just brought it up, and so I felt like it might have been worth bringing it up. But it's uh, that's a theory I I have is that there's going to be like Elsie's maybe Elsie was the original guardian and she, she fucked up. Right. And like the original, like, you know, the faded one or the, the guardian of destiny or whatever, mm-hmm. like, and now, you know, we are there to break the site, break her cycle or something. So my, my crackpot theory, I'm going to jump down kind of the same wormhole. Um, <clears throat> I obviously some timey wimey bullshit is going to happen within the heart of the traveler. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I think that we fight the wit. I would like to say that we fight the witness. Um, maybe in like mission uh, six or seven of the expansion, or you know, maybe earlier. I don't know how many missions are actually in this game, but um, we fight him earlier in the expansion than you would think. We fight our way to his citadel. We fight him. And um, we get thrown into the time, like the traveler saves us with its power by putting mm-hmm. us into a time loop. And but when we do, we meet Elsie in the past. We do a mission where we meet her in the past, and that leads to the fated meeting in Destiny One. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, um, and I would love that us. the Guardian is who she's talking to on the walkie-talkie. It ha- I think it has to be at this point. Kill the Jets. It was originally supposed to be Osiris. I would love for it to be Osiris and the Guardian. Mm-hmm. That would be the most perfect full circle moment for me. It would be absolutely silly and ridiculous, and I would love every goddamn second of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you come back in just like supercharged and beat the shit out of the witness. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> well, maybe a little bit too easy there, but um, Jiggly Panda writes in. Jiggly goes, Panda. Don't, don't know why, but I've been on a Godzilla kick recently. So I thought about this. Do you think Destiny should start doing crossovers with movie franchises like Godzilla or other franchises? I think the armor sets would be some of the best. No. No, no. more crossovers. Make it stop. <laughs> no more crossovers. I believe there was a guy. Oh, no, we didn't get that. There was supposed to be a movie monsters armor set a couple of years ago. We could vote on for Halloween. And there was actually a Hunter Godzilla set, I believe. Um, no, I don't, I don't want any movie franchises in here. I think we've already pushed it enough with games. Um, I don't, I don't want to see that diluted anymore. That's, it's clearly a move to make money and I don't enjoy that. Yeah. Um, I give a really hard time making things look authentic to destiny too, because you want to bring things in for these franchises, but make it still feel authentic to the destiny experience. Mm -hmm. And that's going to get harder if you start bringing movies into it. Mm -hmm. Like you're pigeonholing yourself into something that you can do. You can make stuff that's inspired by it without it being an Eververse thing, I think. Yeah. 
<clears throat> yeah, you want to be really and careful. And while we've got... Oh, go, go ahead. Sorry. Did you just, have a thought? No, I was just saying you, you need to be really careful with these crossovers. Um, yes. You know, you don't want it to get Fortnite-y over here, you know. No, and it, it works in Fortnite because of how Fortnite does the skins. Yeah. So... Um, final question of the night. While we've got game of the year talks, what is your movie of the year for 2023? God, movie of the year? I don't know. Corey, did you watch movies this year? Good question. Uh, did I watch any movies this year? Um, let's see. I watched Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Um, I watched, I watched most of the MCU movies that came out this year. We saw... <clears throat> Most of the movies we watched that came out this year, though, were kids' movies. Um, Elemental we watched from Disney or from okay. Pixar. I really, I really like Elemental. I think it's. I need to watch. I it. think it's a really great movie. Um, it's about immigration and kind of coming over from another land and being kind of discriminated against because you're from another land and you know the other kind of elements live in harmony and fire is kind of the one that's discriminated against because really it's the only one that kind of harms everything uh, in a way, if you think about it, but uh, it's really good. I really liked it. Um, I mean, I'm not a huge movie guy. I don't even know what movies came out this year, Josh. That's true. That's true. This is a really bad question for Corey. This is a great question for me. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Um, uh, Oh, Barbie came out this year. I have yet to see that. Let's see. I Barbie haven't seen. Great. Uh, I haven't seen Spider Verse. I haven't seen. Oh it's on Netflix. I know. I haven't seen the first one. Oh, uh, my. oh my god! I haven't. I saw Ant Man. It wasn't very good. I wanted to see that new Hunger Games movie, but I didn't. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen like any of these movies that came out this year. <sighs> I'm so disappointed. Yeah. All right, I'm going to hide my disappointment and I'm going to list off a couple that I really <laughs> liked this year. Uh I love Across the Spider-Verse. I get, it's it's awesome. Um I think the the spider people that are in it are really cool. Um Spider-Man 2099 is authentically a dick like he is in the comics. Um really enjoyed some of the cameos uh from the various spider franchises uh that you see in this. I, it's it's a big fat love letter to Spider-Man. Um, really cool. Um, I really liked that. I liked uh, the Dungeons and Dragons movie is honestly maybe my favorite thing all year. That is a genuinely authentically great movie. Uh, we rewatched it last night and I just was laughing my ass off. I, I think it's great. Um, Chris Pine was born to be a bard in a Dungeons and Dragons movie, which is that's insane to say or to it's think it's so great it's so great him and michelle him and michelle rodriguez and whoever plays the uh the tiefling uh, uh sophia lillis uh lillis plays the uh the tiefling in the movie uh she is in uh hideo kojima's od as a matter of fact mm. um just absolutely awesome her transforming into different creatures absolutely steals the show um hugh grant is delightfully great as Forge Fitzhugh. Uh, there are so many nods to classic D and D lore in this in this movie that if you've ever played some of the classic campaigns, like you'll pick up on all. There's references to Icewind Dale, the Baller's Gate, to uh, the Tiamat campaign, 
uh, to even like Vecna and uh, man, there's some there's some really cool stuff in here. I can't. I really hope they make another one of these. I know it wasn't profitable, but it is one of the best movie going experiences I think I've ever had. We were in a totally empty theater when we saw it too. It was great. It wasn't. Um, proper, I thought everybody loved it. I thought. Uh, the people who saw it loved it, but it did not break even. Hmm. That's yep. the unfortunate thing for all, most movies. <laughs> it came out about six months too early, probably. If this had come out around the time of Baldur's Gate, it would have been an absolute revolution. Uh, I really enjoyed Mission Impossible. I love those movies. Always cool to see Tom Cruise do things that may or may not get him killed. Uh, I still have not seen Oppenheimer. It is sitting on my uh tv stand though i do actually physically own the movie now so i'm probably gonna watch it next week when texas freezes over um looking forward to watching that uh what else do we see i really need to make it to the theater i i mean it's it's out of theaters now but i'm anxiously awaiting being able to watch godzilla minus one and the boy and the heron at home uh really looking forward to both of those we loved barbie that was a great one uh, Past Lives was a really good drama. Enjoyed that. Uh, yeah. I did not see a ton of movies this year. I'm going to be totally honest. This is probably the least amount of movies I've seen in a year. In years. Hmm. Um, I just didn't get to the... Th- I just didn't get to the theater this year, frankly. Um, we saw very few movies. Um, didn't really have the time to. It, it's hard when your partner works weekends. Yeah. Uh, to get out to the movies so yeah it's, uh, hopefully we're gonna get to more this year but there's not much i want to see this year either yeah it's also really hard to take kids to the movie theater <laughs> very hard to take kids i am excited though because killers of the flower moon hits apple tv tomorrow and i have been waiting to see this movie for like four months i don't even know what that is so leonardo dicaprio robert de niro oh. murders on an indian reservation in the 1930s oh okay yes I am very excited to see this. Martin Scorsese, maybe one of the last Scorsese movies we'll ever get. Uh, very excited for that. And uh, Napoleon is supposed to come to Apple TV in the next couple of weeks also. So those are big things that I'm looking forward to. Well, Corey. Well, Josh. With that being said, let's head to the lore corner. Lore we're gonna read corner. It. We're going to read The Wishkeeper. Um we're gonna read it and then we're just gonna kind of we're gonna kind of leave it we're not really gonna break this down we're gonna we're gonna leave it we're gonna let everybody kind of like think on this because i want to have a bigger discussion about the overall season story next week and how riven and Terranus tie into all this so it's from Wishkeeper. you will not hear our bones sing in dreams you will not shelter under our wings you will have to remember for yourselves Your sire was riven a thousand voices. She who contracted with royalty, she who built the dreaming city and brought it to its knees. Your dam was Terranus. He who made the black garden his own. He who strangled his life for yours. He whose wish tricked even riven. Remember, I will not bargain with my children. Our lives are our gifts to you. Glut yourselves on them. Learn who you are. The clutch of your sire, the strongest the wildest, the sharpest clawed arbiters of reality, the clutch of your fool of a dam, never taken by another's will, never ruled by hunger without choice. Sing your own songs. Find those whom your wings would stretch out to shelter. O whims of my blighted heart, born of our eyes and teeth and will to power, 
live as yourselves, never less than that. Uh, this very much feels like it's uh, it's a soliloquy from uh, from Riven to her children. So mm-hmm. it's kind of something to to ruminate on throughout the week. Yeah. Um, and we're gonna we're gonna dive more into this next week. We're gonna dive more into uh, the Wishkeeper and to uh, Riven and Taranis's story. Yeah. All right, Corey. All right, Josh. Well, get me out of here. We made a we made a hour and forty minute show out of nothing. So good job, Josh. Proud of you. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And I'm proud of all of you out there. Welcome back to Tower Casuals. Thank you for listening. You can catch new episodes every Friday. Catch Xbox Casuals every other Tuesday. Josh, thank you for your time tonight. As always, where can we find you? Oh, Josh underscore Finn. Two N's on Twitter. Two N's. I'm still there. I'm still holding out. I'm writing it out to the very end, Corey. To the very end. To the very uh, end. I should also note that next week we're probably gonna we're probably gonna talk like five, maybe ten minutes at the beginning of the uh, show about the developer direct happening in the afternoon. Yeah. Uh, because about three hours before we go live, we're going to be seeing Indiana Jones for the first time. Yeah, I, for, I forgot. And I know that uh, I know neither one of us is going to be able to contain it. So, oh, dude, I mean, between Hellblade and Indiana Jones, I might have a third, avowed. I might have a third kid. I'm just saying it right now. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus. I your I hope your wife did not hear that. Nah, she's in bed. She'll figure it out at some point. Um, Jesus. <laughs> you can find me at I am Corey and HD on social media places. Um, and yeah, I want to thank everybody for watching and or listening. And uh, until next time, we love you. Goodbye.